All right, may you please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, and we are continuing our series through Luke. We just started last week. Today we're going to look at a passage I have never preached from before. I've taught the passage, but never preached through it, so I'm looking forward to this today. We're going to talk about Zach's big day. Now, forgive me, I've used his nickname, or at least I've given him one, Zacharias and Elizabeth. We might think of them as Zach and Liz, right? <laughs> um, Zach and Tani, Tani Liz. <laughs> Zach's big day. And because it is a large number of verses that we're going to be looking at, verses 5 down to 25, what I'd like to do is rather than read the whole passage and then go back through it bit by bit, we're just going to have a word of prayer and then we're going to go through it bit by bit. We will cover all of the verses by God's grace. So let's start with our heads bowed and let's pray. Father, thank you for this privilege. Lord, this was a, a massive, big day in Zacharias's life. Lord, I pray that you would do something equally big in our hearts today. Speak to us. I can think of no greater privilege than for you to come down, meet with us, and speak to us. Lord, please grant us ears to hear we want to pay attention to what you have to say, and we ask for your help now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So what we're going to find in this passage, that Zacharias and his wife are going to receive the amazing news that against all odds, they, being well-stricken in years, are going to become parents. But not just any child. The child they're going to have, as we'll see, is going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. This, you couldn't imagine bigger news. So we're going to join Zach on his big day here. Let's get it in verse number five. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias. If I can just tell you a little bit about Herod for a moment. He was an incredibly wicked man known to history as Herod the Great. Nothing great about him. He had one of his many wives killed simply because he heard rumors that she wasn't a very nice lady. He had three of his sons put to death because he thought maybe they will try to kill me and take the throne, so he put them to death preemptively. This is the same Herod that would slaughter all of the innocents in Bethlehem under the age of two. This was an incredibly wicked man. Now, I believe it's interesting that Luke points it out. Not only can we reference this in history so that you can trace the events, but it also shows us a very practical lesson that even in the worst of political times, God can still work. It says there was a certain priest named Zacharias. That name is significant. Zacharias means God has remembered again. Why is that significant? Bear in mind that it has been 400 years since God last spoke to the nation of Israel. The last time God spoke through a prophet was with Malachi, 400 years before this. And no doubt, after all that Israel had been through in that 400-year gap, maybe they thought that God has forgotten us. But now he's, he's going to deliver this special message to a man whose name means God has remembered again. A certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah. In the Old Testament, you find this as Abijam. And in 1 Chronicles chapter 24, I know that you're all familiar with that chapter. It's one of our favorite chapters. Wink, wink. But you read about the, there's 24 courses 
of these priests. So the 24 families of, of the priesthood. And because there's 24, what they would do is rotate their time in the temple. So when it was your time to go in, you'd go for a week. And then the next family would come the week after. So as it would work out, every family would go twice in the year for one week at a time. This is actually significant because you can trace back the timing of John's birth and also Jesus' birth as a result of that. So this is actually an important piece of information to have. Uh, the course of Abiah was the eighth course of those priests, so we can trace that to a great extent. It says at the end of verse 5, And his wife was of the daughter of Aaron, of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Verse 6, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Now, please do not misunderstand the word blameless. That is not the same as sinless. Blameless is saying that they took the Bible seriously. Even when they did make a mistake, and they were human, they did make them, they took biblical steps to make that thing right. All the ordinances all the commandments. They were mindful of the Bible. That was a rare thing. It's rare today, but it was also rare in this day because especially amongst the priest, often you would find religious hypocrisy, but not with this couple. They were rare for their spiritual approach to this privilege of being a priest and being of the line of Aaron. In verse 7 it says, And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren, and they both were now well stricken in years. I looked up that phrase, well stricken. Did you know it only shows up in two places in the Bible? You, you find it here in Luke chapter 1. You find it twice. You know the other time you find it is in Genesis chapter 18. Strangely enough, it's when God told Abraham, come here, old man, you're going to have a baby. And Abraham, he believed, mind you, he believed, but he had the question, how can that be? We're quite old. We are well stricken in years. And this now is the second place in the Bible. So it starts with Abraham, whose wife was barren. We know she is the first woman mentioned in the Bible as being barren, Sarah. You know, as we read further, Isaac is the product of that marriage, and then he marries a woman named Rebecca. Rebecca also struggles with being barren for 20 years. And then eventually, of course, Jacob comes about, and Jacob marries a young lady named Rachel, and she also struggles with being barren. These, let's say, mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother of Israel it was common in these biblical times to think that if you're barren, that you're punished of God, that you're cursed, that you've done something wrong, and society would look down on you and reproach you. You can see in verse 25 that Elizabeth acknowledged that. She had been reproached her entire life, her entire, let's say, adult life. Little did she know she was actually following in the footsteps of great women such as Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Hannah and others. In verse number 8, And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. This was a fascinating study for me this week. 
to find out exactly what went into this privilege of burning incense in the temple. In these days that we're reading about, there were a great multitude of priests. Over 18,000 priests inhabited Israel at this time. Because of the large number of priests, most of them, when their course was to go to the temple, you know, they're weak, most of them would be busy about menial tasks in the temple, cleaning things up, moving things about, carrying things from one place to the next, or slaughtering the animals and placing them on the altar for sacrifice in the outer part of the temple. But one priest would be selected through a special process called casting lots. You read about this in the Old and the New Testament. We might think of it, and I, I don't want to equate it to this, but like throwing dice almost. But the Bible says in Proverbs 16 that the Lord is in charge of the lots. When you cast them, you take that seriously. And because there was a great number of priests, when, when it was your turn, your course, your family goes to the temple, they would throw the lots, cast the lots. And if your lot was taken, if, the, if it turned out to be you, your number was drawn, you got to go into the holy place and burn the incense on the altar of incense. Because there were so many priests, you would only get this privilege once in a lifetime. Zacharias is now well stricken in years. This puts him at least at 60. But remember, when Abraham was told this, he was 99. So let's take it between 60 and 99. Zacharias has been in the temple, or let's say he's served at the temple many times, but never, never has he had this great privilege. He won the Levitical lottery. His number was drawn, the lots were cast, and it's his turn. This is Zach's big day. I not only get to go and be a part of my brotherhood with the priest, I get to go into the holy place and put incense on this very special altar. And all the Jews knew that this incense, as it rose up out of the temple, the Jews would stand outside and be in a manner of prayer because they knew that smoke represented their prayers going up to God. Zacharias would also be tasked after the incense had gone up, he would go out to the people and get to pronounce these very famous words. I've given them to you on your outline. Numbers chapter 6, verse 24 to 26. This priest that had been specially chosen would offer the incense and then come out to the people and say, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make His face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up His countenance upon thee and give thee peace. This great benediction for the people. Very special moment, once in a lifetime opportunity. This is Zach's big day. So point number one on your outline, if you wanna write this in, and you can put quotes around this if you'd like. Oh wow, <laughs> that's point one. Oh wow, you mean my number got chosen? I won the Levitical lottery? This is a big day. Oh, wow. Verse number 11, or 10 rather, and the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. As I mentioned, many people are waiting for this special moment where the priest offers the incense, a picture of their prayers, comes out, pronounces this blessing upon the people. The people are waiting outside, and they would say this. They would be praying, may the merciful God 
enter the holy place and accept with favor the offering of his people. This was a key moment in their day. This was huge. The people are waiting without Zacharias. You, you might even feel with him today the anticipation, the excitement building as he takes this censer with the incense and the smoke is filling the holy place and he's, he's about to put it on the altar. And then in verse 11, there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. I refer you back to point one. Oh, wow. <laughs> Zach's big day just got a lot bigger. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. Well, this is a natural response, I think. You don't know why the angel is there. The angel has yet to identify himself as Gabriel. Gabriel is the messenger angel. Every time you read about him in the Bible, he's delivering a message. If Michael shows up, you better duck. <laughs> he's the soldier. He's the, he's the archangel that's in charge of the armies of heaven. So Zacharias doesn't know which angel this is. He just knows, uh-oh. <laughs> this, is, this is big. Oh, wow. Verse 13, but the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. Wow. How long had he been praying? We know exactly what this prayer is about. Zacharias didn't even need the angel to explain the next thing. We know what he's been praying for. God, please. I don't know what I did. I don't know what maybe my wife did. Why you've not allow us to bear a child. Society thinks of us as broken, as unusable, as even cursed, as outcast. God, please, let me just have a baby. Let us have a child. 20 years? That's how long Isaac prayed for Rebekah, 20 years. Did Zacharias pray 20 years, maybe 30, maybe 40, maybe 50? I don't know. Maybe Zacharias had even given up praying. I think that's a very, very good guess because later in the chapter you're going to see he figured there's no way this can happen. We cannot have a child. Maybe he had given up on praying about it. And now the angel shows up and says, your prayer got heard. It's not just that the lots were cast and you won that lottery. That's a big thing. But that prayer request that you gave God 40 years ago, God's going to answer it now. Just think of this, that every time Zach and Liz got down to pray, oh God, please, please, God, please. God up in heaven was saying, yes, but not now. Yes, but just wait. Zach and Liz didn't know that. But that was God's answer. He would say, yes, but you're just going to have to wait because I have something so special planned for you. <laughs> Society thinks of you as the outcast is broken, but you are actually in the line of Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, Hannah. You're going to be right up there with them. Just be patient. Thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. That was not a common name to their family. It was a common name in Israel, and now it is a very common name in society. Johannes, John, which means Jehovah has shown grace. Imagine Zach as he hears this news, thinking that he had been cursed of God, 
punished of God to hear God's being very gracious to you. And this grace, mind you, is not only for Zach and Liz, it is for the entire nation of Israel, yea, the entire world. Verse number 14, and thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. This is true in a small and in a big way because when Elizabeth gives birth, the friends, the neighbors, the relatives, they are there and they rejoice greatly. But then obviously as time goes on, we can also rejoice with them at how special this birth was. And something about verse 14 kind of sets the scene for the book of Luke or the gospel of Luke. Thou shalt have joy and gladness. You will find, we will find as we go through it, over and over again, Luke points out how Jesus brings joy to the world. John, mind you, is the forerunner of Jesus, and he gets the ball rolling, so to speak. Verse number 15, if I can just point out, we have only learned of the child's name so far. So Zach's big day, I get to offer the incense, got bigger, you're going to have a son, oh wow. But now we're going to have a third iteration of that, another oh wow is coming. Because as it stands, it was just a boy named John. That's a big deal. For an old man, an old lady, that's a big deal. But look how big it gets. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, which makes us think he probably was a Nazarite. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Whew, that is one spiritual child. Very few babies are filled with the Spirit of God. <laughs> the way that they cry and go on, you'd have to wonder if they're maybe filled with something else. <laughs> What's the initial evidence of being filled with the Holy Ghost? Well, we're going to read maybe in the next two or three weeks that Elizabeth, when Mary comes in the room, Mary has now fallen pregnant, Jesus is in her womb, that Elizabeth feels the baby leap in her womb. The initial evidence of the Holy Ghost is getting excited about the presence of God. You know it when the Lord draws nigh. And things start to move. He shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. Verse 16, and many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Verse 15, he's going to be a spiritual man. Oh, wow. That's great news. Moms, dads, how many of you are concerned that your kids grow up and have no affection for the Lord? Zacharias has just received this news that his child is going to be a great lover of God, a very dedicated, committed man of God. But not only that, it gets even bigger. Zach's big day just keeps getting bigger. Verse 16, many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. He's going to bring about a revival. God's going to use this, this man to bring revival. That's huge. Zach, what do you say to that? Oh, wow. Verse 17, it gets even bigger. And he shall go before him. Oh, catch that for, for a moment. Please, for a moment. He shall go before him. Who is the he? He is John. He shall go before him. Who's the him? The Lord their God. 
You say, but the, the, the hymn is actually Jesus. Yes, Jesus is the Lord their God. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias. I bet right then Zach's eyes got big and went, what? Spirit and power of Elijah? So he's going to have the same attitude, the same inner workings, the same hand of God upon him like Elijah? Because Elijah brought revival to the nation. Elijah stood against a wicked king. Elijah said, if, if Baal be God, serve him. If the Lord be God, serve him. Elijah stood in the face of religious hypocrisy, just like John did. But Zacharias, because he's a man of the book, he knows his Bible. He goes, oh, wait a minute. Did you just say Elijah? Elijah's the, he's supposed to come back right before the Messiah. Zach's ears have got to be perking up. His eyes have got to be getting big. He says he'll come, he'll go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. That's Malachi 4 verse 5. Or verse 6, forgive me, it's verse 6. That, he's quoting that. Zach, as a man of the book, he knows what this means. What, are you trying to tell me that I'm going to have a son? That's huge. He's going to be a spiritual man. That's outstanding. He's going to bring revival, breathtaking. Are you trying to tell me he is the fulfillment of Malachi's promise? And then at the end of the verse, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. That's a quote from Isaiah chapter 40. In verse number three, that's a 700-year-old prophecy, maybe 750 years almost. Zach's eyes have got to be popping out of his head. Oh, wow. This is, I, this is huge. I, I can't believe this news. God, we thought you didn't even like us. And now you're going to use our family to, to fulfill that prophecy? The second greatest man to ever walk the earth is going to come from Zacharias and Elizabeth. That's a big day. What should you say? Oh, wow. But point two, you can write down on your outline, in quotes, Zacharias did not say, oh, wow. Rather, he said, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Verse 18, And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. You say, well, pastor, that sounds like a reasonable question, you know. How can this be? Whereby shall I know this? Because the odds of this happening are extremely rare. What's Zach's reason for doubting? I'm old. My wife is old. We're well stricken in years. Verse 19, And the angel answering said unto him, I'm Gabriel. <laughs> I'm Zach. I'm old. Hi, I'm Gabriel. I'm from heaven. <laughs> What's your point? <laughs> the angel answering said unto him, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. And am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee these glad tidings. Friend, that's the same word for the gospel. I am sent with good news to you. And the response you're giving me instead of, oh, wow, it's, yeah, right. This can't be. Now, 
There's two ways that Zach could have asked this question. He could have, with belief in his heart, just like Abraham, and just like later in this chapter, Mary does the same thing, to say, God, I believe you, but I don't understand you. I believe you because you said it, and I know your nature. You cannot lie. You do not say these things lightly, so you're going to do it. But God, if you could just help me better understand what you've just promised. How can I know this? How can this work? But you see, that's a question coming from belief and a desire to learn and understand better. Zacharias's question did not come from belief. He is also asking, yeah, how can that be? But from a complete, or let's say a place of complete disbelief. Verse 20, and behold, thou shalt be dumb. We would say mute maybe. And not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. You see, our unbelief doesn't stop the word of God. It's still going to happen. There's a bumper sticker that used to be popular in America. Tell me if it's been here. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Have you seen that here? God said it. I believe it. That settles it. Where I went to Bible school, we made our own bumper sticker. God said it. That settles it. It doesn't matter what you believe. <laughs> you see, Zacharias is much like a lawyer would do. They call this a defeater statement. Somebody maybe makes an accusation that says your client committed this crime in Johannesburg on this day at this time. And then the lawyer would say, but my client was in Cape Town. I have video evidence of it. So how can your accusation be true? How can this be? See, he's asking the question not for better understanding, but to say there's no way what you just said can be true because I know otherwise. Zacharias is doing the same thing. This news you've given me, that's great, but I'm an old man. I'm broken. There's no way God could do this. And I know, I know he can't because I have this evidence. I'm old. You know, sometimes you meet a person who struggles to believe in God. They hear that God not only finely tuned the universe, He designed it so intricately all the way down to our DNA. We're fearfully and wonderfully made. Everywhere we look, we see the handiwork of God. And not only did God create this wonderful universe, this beautiful earth for us to inhabit, He intricately created us in His image, but then to say that that same God is intimately concerned about you as an individual, that He, he counts the hairs on your head, he knows the thoughts of your heart, and he wants to have a loving relationship with you. And for some people, that is just too much. They say, no, that's too good to be true. But their unbelief makes it no less true. That is precisely the kind of God that we have. I've given you the verse on your paper in Job chapter 9 and verse 2. The Bible says, Job said this, I know it is so of a truth, but here's the question, how should man be just with God? How should man be just with God? How can I be made right with Him? 
I'm a sinner. I've lost track of how many bad things I've done. David said it like this, that my iniquities are more than the hairs of my head. They are innumerable. Some people will try to wipe away the bad that they've done by doing good things to make up for it. The idea is that you have a scale and you've put too many bad things on this side and the scale is now tipped. So if you put good things on the other side, it will balance out. But understand this analogy. When you do that, you have not erased the bad things. The bad things are still there. And God being the holy God, the just God, the right God, the true God that He is, He cannot allow those sins to be undealt with. They must be dealt with. He can't ignore it. Hence the question, how should man be just with God? How can I ever make up for all the bad things that I've done? And the answer is, you can't. And that is precisely why God sent His Son. He knows that we are frail, that we are broken, that we are depraved, that we are sinful, that despite our best efforts, we will not get it right. So he came and said, let me help you get it right. I'll send my son to die for you, and while he's up on that cross, I'll take all of your sins. Not because you deserve it. This is completely love and grace and mercy. I'll take those sins, and I'll put them on my son. And instead of you receiving the punishment you deserve, I will give that same punishment to my beloved son. And now if you want... Not the scales to be balanced, but the record to be wiped clean. All of your sins can be washed away because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And we can be justified by faith in and through Christ. Not only that, he says, I'm going to come down and live inside of you. Walk with you, talk with you, speak with you, comfort you, give you a joy unspeakable and full of glory. The cup is going to run over. You're not going to be able to contain the joy that I can offer you. And we look to God and say, God, that's too good of a deal. Yeah, right. God might be able to give somebody else a peace that passes all understanding. He might be able to give somebody else a joy unspeakable, but he couldn't do that for me. I'm too broken. I think here we would hear, we would maybe listen to somebody saying like Peter, not so, Lord. Not so, Lord. There's no way, God. I know that you just said it, but that can't be right. That doesn't work with how I understand life. Like Zach would say, yeah, right. The wonderful news is you can be saved. You can have eternal life. You can have the indwelling, listen, the indwelling and the filling of the Holy Spirit. You can experience the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, the goodness, the meekness, the temperance. All of that can be a part of your life. So what does it require? Instead of you saying, yeah, right, saying, oh, wow, I'll take it. I'll take it. The angel had come to Zacharias and said, I'm going to use you to bring the second greatest person to ever walk the earth. I'm going to use you to bring that person into the world. And because Zacharias couldn't understand it naturally, he rejected it. Friend, we're asking you not to take our word for it as human beings, 
God has told us that if you want to be saved, you can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. If you want to have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, that is obtained by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That starts that relationship with God. Preacher, how could I ever turn my life around? It's just too bad. Your bad life does not shorten God's hand. The Bible says in verse number 20 that Zacharias was going to be made dumb. You see, Zacharias, he wanted a sign. He, he was even sarcastically saying, whereby shall I know this? Not that he actually wanted to understand. He was doubting. He disbelieved it. The angel, in response, says, you, you want a sign that I'm telling you the truth? I'll give you one. I will, I will make sure you know just how powerful the word of the Lord is. You see, Zacharias, even though all of his life he had been walking according to the Bible, he gets to this one moment and he stumbles in his faith. He let his own personal circumstance override his faith in God's word. He had been living by it blamelessly. And now the angel shows up with great news and he disbelieves it which, by the way, is one of the most grievous sins you can commit, is to not believe what God says. It is, in essence, to call him a liar. There is no greater offense you can commit. It is the only sin that will send you to hell. All the other sins can be forgiven. The sin of unbelief, never receiving Christ, never trusting Him fully as your Savior, that is the one sin that sends anybody to hell. What's so wonderful about this, Zacharias has just offended God in a great way. But God looks down at him and instead of saying, all right, Zach, this was your big day, but since you don't believe it, I'm going to find some other guy. God didn't do that. God is so patient and merciful with our struggling hearts, right? We struggle to believe all the promises. They just seem too good to be true. And God, so merciful to us, says, all right, you need some help believing what I said. You need some help understanding just how powerful the Word of God is. So I'll give you a sign. Now, guys, it's up to us. If you want a positive sign, you can just believe. Go home, conceive the child. Nine months later, there's the proof. You could just have the great joy that was prophesied. You could just start with that, or you can learn it the hard way. All right, Zechariah, you get nine months of a timeout. Just go over there, sit in the corner, think about it. <laughs> think about what you've done. Verse 21, this begins now number three on your outline. And the other two, I had you do quotes. Oh, wow. Yeah, right. Those are quotes. This last one, put it in parentheses. This is more like a stage direction because... There are no words that came out of Zach's mouth. So put it in parentheses, smile. <laughs> smile. What can he do? What can he do? Verse 21, and the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. They're, they're amazed, but also scared. They know that if a priest goes into the temple and takes too long, there's a good chance he died that he went in and he wasn't right with God and therefore God slew him in the holy place. 
So now the people are starting to get a little worried. They're starting to wonder what's going on. We don't even know if Zach ever got to put the incense on the altar. I can assume that he did. Maybe he didn't. But what he thought would be a big day, incense going up, pronouncing this blessing upon the people, he goes out to the people in verse 22, and when he came out, he could not speak unto them. In Zach's mind, that was going to be the climactic moment of this big day, standing before them and saying, the Lord bless thee and keep thee and make his face to shine upon thee. That was the big moment. That was the crowning moment. God said, no, I got an even bigger moment for you, but it's going to have to wait a while. The joy that you could have had if you would have just believed, you're going to have to kind of keep that in for a little bit. He, went out, he came out and he could not speak unto them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. I have no idea what that looked like. This is the first time in the Bible we read about somebody being a mime, you know? You know <laughs> he comes out and he starts beckoning. That, that means to gesture with your hand to get somebody to follow, to beckon. So he's doing this. How do you communicate that you just had a chat with an angel without saying it, you know? <laughs> what do you, I, I don't know what else, to, <laughs> what do you do? Is he jumping up and down? He's an older man, right? He's jumping up and down, he's all excited. All they can think is, okay, he, he's, he's doing maybe something like this, so they, they thought, well, he must have seen a vision. He must have had some interaction with something divine but he never got to explain to those people just how momentous, how big of a day this was for him. Verse 23, it came to pass that as soon as the days of his ministration were accomplished, he departed to his own house. Now, I, I'm sure this old man took up jogging or running. He, he's, he's hurrying home. He's got some big news for his wife. And as he's running, he takes out his cell phone and he starts to type. And he's going to send his wife a WhatsApp. And as he's talking, he says, we're going to have a bad day, exclamation mark, send. And he just keeps on running. And then all of a sudden, a few minutes later, he gets a ding. And he, he looks at his phone again, and his wife says, a bad day, question mark. He goes, oh, autocorrect. We're going to have a baby. <laughs> I just, I put that in for fun. I'm sorry. You know Zach didn't do that. But <laughs> that's what happens when I try to communicate good news with a WhatsApp. <laughs> we're going to have a baby. What do you think Elizabeth's face looked like when he finally got to communicate that? You, you know the reason I'm saying text message is because he couldn't say it. There's a decent chance that while Zacharias was at the temple performing his week-long duty, he probably took pen and paper and started to write the whole thing out. Because he knew, I can't explain this to my wife. Can you imagine the joy? Can you imagine all of the emotions that Elizabeth went through as she reads through this paper? And Elizabeth has evidence that it's going to happen because her husband can't speak. That's the proof. Listen, guys, how would you like for God to prove to you how important, how powerful His Word is? He can do it one way or the other. Verse 24, after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months why did she do that? Why did she hide herself? Elizabeth, don't you know that for years and years and years, the ladies around her were falling pregnant. Elizabeth would go to that person's house and fawn over that 
woman. How can I help you? Can I bring you some tea? Can I, don't get up, don't get up. Don't stress yourself. Protect the baby. Don't you know Elizabeth's heart broke every time she heard about a miscarriage? Now Elizabeth is well stricken in years. She falls pregnant. She doesn't want anything to happen to that baby. She knows just how special this is. She goes off into seclusion. Zacharias, you know, every day he would enter that room. And by now he's learned a bit of sign language and he knows how to express the, the thought and the question, do you need anything? Can I bring you something? And Elizabeth would tell him, I'm okay, I need this or that. What do you think Zacharias would do? He'd just smile. He got to look there at his wife glowing. 60, 70 years old, who knows, glowing with that glow of motherhood on her. So excited every day. God has remembered us again. Jehovah has shown grace. God is going to use us to bring in the one who will announce the coming of the Messiah. Oh, the anticipation. I can only think that for nine months, Zacharias didn't say much, but he probably smiled a lot. He had learned a great lesson. You know, Zach's big day was so big, not because of Zach's personal testimony, but because he and his wife became a vessel to bring into the world the voice of one crying in the wilderness. In verse 25, thus hath the Lord dealt with me, Elizabeth says, in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. For how many years did society think God cannot use them? They have no fruit. And now they have evidence that we have the favor of God upon us because we're willing to be vessels. I'd like to end with this thought. If God walks by your way today and says, I would love to use you to make a difference in your home, in your workplace, in your city, in your country, or even in another country, rather than say, yeah, right. God, you must have found the wrong person. That can't be me. I, I'm, I'm, I have too many reasons why that can't be true. What if you just let God work in you and through you and with you and see what kind of joy and gladness not only fills your soul, but those around you? Let's all stand, if you would, please. Let's all stand, have our heads bowed and eyes closed. Listen, Zach's big day was made big because of what God said to him. And today can be your big day because of what God is saying to you. The greatest thing you'll ever do is believe what God said. Say, I don't understand it. You're allowed to ask. If you lack wisdom, you're allowed to ask, God, please help me understand it. But that's different than believing it. 
We're asking you to take God at His Word because of the kind of God He is. God will never use me in this or that way. You leave that to God. You just be the vessel. Elizabeth took it seriously. I don't want anything to happen to this privilege of bearing fruit. Let me be careful to make sure what God says comes to pass. Let me do my part. If you've never been saved, I'd like to give you those glad tidings that Jesus' blood, His death, His burial, His resurrection is enough to save your soul. Say, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. Yes, that's true, but God does, and He's still ready to save you. Right now, right where you're at, whether you're in this room or watching at home, turn your heart towards the Lord Jesus Christ. You can feel Him knocking at the door. Now open it. Say, Lord, I don't know how you could love somebody like me, but I believe it. Please come in. Live inside of me. Make me yours. Sinner, can you do that right now? Can you ask Him to save you right where you're at? For those of you that have been saved, God's not done working in you. God wants to fill your cup to overflowing. He wants to give you a peace that passes all understanding, a joy unspeakable and full of glory. Rather than think, though, that might be for somebody else, but not for me. No, no, that's for you. Now just let God love you like that. Let His Spirit overwhelm your soul. Father, we thank You that we can trust every word You've given us. Hope makes not ashamed. Lord, You never disappoint us. We're never sorry that we trusted You. And I'm begging You now, God, if there's somebody here today that has never opened their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, might this be the day. Please, God. Father, those of us that have accepted the good news, we're able to run all over and tell everybody about it. We don't have to wait nine months like Zach did. Help us, Lord, not to be mute about this good news. Let your joy and your peace fill and shine through in our lives. Thank you for being so merciful. As you were with Zacharias, you are with us. Sometimes we're slow to believe. Thank you for putting up with us, God. Lord, allow us to leave today with a sense of your presence. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Folks, thank you so much for your time. Don't forget, if you're a part of the missions conference, please come wait at the front. We'll have a quick meeting.